Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Mike is one of the nation's top realtors and is highly regarded as an authority in residential real estate sales. Mike Bell has nothing to sell but great wisdom. You're going to love this show. Now, here's Mike Bell. Hi, this is Mike Bell. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. I've been selling for 19 years. I've been told that I'm ranked in the top 1% of all realtors in the nation. So many people have told me I know what I'm talking about. This is a call-in show, so I'd love to have your calls. You can call me toll-free at 888-GO-FOR-IT. My personal cell phone, just so you know, is 888-401-1555. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. You can Google me. We've got hundreds of websites. My email is mikebell at kw.com. I'm a broker with Keller Williams. I've been licensed for 19 years. And my website is www.themikebellteam.com. Well, we're in our new Pasadena studio. We have Engineer Dave with us, and uh, I don't think he's mic'd up. Uh, well, I go on a lot of listing appointments, and I'm amazed at what sellers tell me what other agents say what works to sell a house. It's just amazing the inf- what they're being told. So we're actually going to have two shows on this. The show is called What Your Agent Probably Will Never Tell You. And this is going to be part one. My guest and co-host is Michael Patras. He's a publisher. And uh, Mike, tell me how you fit into this. Well, you know, Mike, I've known you for a couple of years. And I think most of us that have bought and sold real estate, particularly in the state of California, have had either really good experiences or really bad experiences. Professionally, I'm a publisher. Uh, I own a company called Golden West Books. We publish books on trains and railroads. And so I'm a, a local historian and have been very interested in what the market has done, not only for me personally, but in general, because it affects our economy. It affects whether people buy books or not. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I know growing up, my mom has been a realtor her whole life. And interestingly enough, when she moved to Vegas, I found that I didn't have a realtor in my corner any longer. So the houses that I've bought and sold and the commercial building that I've purchased were all done with realtors that I probably would not use again. And... I'm sure that that's not a commentary for every realtor, and I know since knowing you that you are going to be the person that's going to handle all our transactions for our family from here on out. But most people don't know a lot of stuff, and there are many times when agents will tell you what they want you to hear to get the listing, and then when you try to get the house sold, it's a different story. It's how much can you cut off your price because we need to get this buyer now. Well, over the years, I've sold so many houses, but I'll, I'll constantly tell people what works and what doesn't work, and then I've been challenged a few times. So you know what? The last few years, I've from the, the National Association of Realtors puts out this huge questionnaire. They they send out to brand new home buyers in the United States. They send out ninety three thousand five hundred. Well, this last year they sent ninety three thousand five hundred and two new buyers in America. Um, one hundred and twenty questions, and they wanted to know what you know. How did they find their realtor? How did they find their house? Oh, there's so many amazing stats. Um, and so now I start quoting at my listing presentations, you know, what really works and what doesn't work. And it's, it's really kind of amazing, uh, the stuff that you hear out there. That's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really destroy some myths. So that's, that's the plan. Well, obviously it works because if you're a top producer, that's what works. Fact and figures and not myths. Well, this, uh, this kind of, it's like a book. It's called the NAR Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers 2012. And this, this has to do with people that have, they had to have bought between July 2011 and Ju- July of 2012. So, uh, there was actually some really amazing things in here. Some, oh, here, I'm going to give you some trivia, Mike. Okay. All right. What size is the typical house that was bought and sold in the last year in the United States? What size? Boy, you know, that's a good question. I have no idea because I know if you're in New York and you're in a 400-square-foot apartment, it's probably $3.8 million. And if you're in the Midwest, you're on 20 acres for 130000 And 
California is somewhere in between, so I have no clue. The American dream is 1,900 square feet with three bedrooms. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's actually a pretty good size house uh, for Pasadena, even Los Angeles. But I, you know, obviously other places outside of these big metro areas, they all have, they're going to have smaller houses, or I'm sorry, larger houses. You get just you get a lot more money. You get a lot more bang for your buck, I should say. Um, this is something I found that was interesting. Uh, what do you think, what's the average age of a buyer and seller last year? Boy, I'll tell you, with the downturn in the economy, I would imagine that whatever it was years ago, it's probably higher now because you're going to have to actually prove how much money you're making and you're going to get your credit checked and rechecked and checked again. So um, I don't know. I would guess probably somewhere 50-ish. Actually, a few years ago, it was 35, and that was the wow. lowest it had ever been. That wasn't the market. It was really hot. Uh, it was 42. Hmm. And the expectation is it's going to start going down again because there's going to be more loan products available. Uh, builders are, are starting to build up, build again, finally, but they have a lot of catching up to do. So, yeah, the average age is, uh, is 42. Um, let me see here. This is something pretty interesting. This is something that you talked about, about the importance of buying and selling real estate. The National Association of Realtors came out with this really interesting article. Well, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that talked about how much money goes into the local economy, economy for uh, when somebody buys a house? Uh, this is why it's so. You know, this is why the government incentivizes people to buy houses. There's there's two there's two things in the tax code that is pushed because these two things actually drive the economy more than anything else. One, obviously, home ownership. The second thing is small businesses. National Association of Realtors estimates, guess how much goes into the local economy when somebody buys a house? Now, consider, when you buy a house, I mean, you usually paint it, you do carpeting, you do, there's a million things that you do, but guess how much? Well, the last house that we bought 20 years ago that we still live in, my wife and I, uh, I, I would have to say a couple hundred thousand dollars because we did roofs and plumbing and electrical and paint and foundations and driveways and garages and patios. So, I mean, over time, certainly a lot. Within a shorter amount of time, you know, several tens of thousands of dollars, I guess. Yeah, actually, this was uh, oh, in the first year, and uh, you're not a typical buyer because you like you buy fixers and you see the value, and uh, $60,000. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. So, obviously, that you got to figure in. Most people carpet. A lot of people buy a brand new TV. Usually you're going to buy a new appliance or two. There's all these incentives to get energy efficiency sure. appliances, paint, what, landscaping, drapes, furniture, oh, insurance, and also the brokerage commissions, the, um, the fees that the attorney or the, the closing agent or the escrow agent earns. All these things amounts to about $60,000. I'll bet you. I mean, th I'll bet you that it, it, it's actually quite a bit more in LA. It, it has to be quite a bit more, just because our price point is almost double the national average here. Sure. So I was curious. You were talking about being in Vegas. Uh, how old were you when you bought your first house? Because the average age right now is 42. But how old were you when you bought your first house? Well, being raised by a realtor mom, I bought my first house at 18, and uh, I was 18. 18 years old. Yeah, I actually lied about how much I made from my tax returns, and uh, I'm not proud of that. But it did allow me to buy a duplex in Long Beach, California, and uh, I lived in the back house while I was going to college. I rented out the front house for what my mortgage was, so I lived there for free, and I had an asset that I was adding to. So it was a great situation. But no, I'm not the typical buyer, obviously. How long did you have that house for? Five years. Five years. And did you leverage that into other properties? Um I didn't leverage it. I actually ended up uh, rehabbing it, and I just sold it. There was a guy that was in the neighborhood that loved the house. It was built in 1919, and I did everything back to period, and he loved it. And he offered me at the time what I thought was way more than the market would bear, so I took the deal. It was a cash deal, and then I, I moved that into my next house, certainly, but I didn't actually leverage the property when I was in it to go and buy something else. I knew other people who did that. And recently, they've gotten into trouble because they had too many mortgages and too many pieces of land with their name on it. So that's what I did. You know, it's so funny. You and I, we've only known each other for about four years. And we were talking about this before we went on the show about how we met. And 
it was something to do with real estate. You had called me or I had called you, try to help you with some commercial real estate, which I don't specialize in. I specialize in residential. But we had the same birthday. And it was funny because I was talking to you on January 13th, and I told you I kind of had to get off the phone and had to go to dinner with my wife. She's taking me out for my birthday. And you said, you know, your birthday. But there, we have so many similarities. I didn't tell you this, but the very first property I ever bought was a house with a duplex in the backyard. Really? It was in Pasadena. Wow. And it was off market. I got a really good deal. The seller that was selling it was actually a commercial real estate agent, and he didn't want to put it on the MLS, and he thought he knew the, the market and the price, and that was that was his prerogative. And I thought I got a, a screaming deal. I bought this. The duplex in the back, the rental income that came in paid my mortgage, paid my house insurance, and I know this sounds silly, but it, it paid my car payment. I just kind of it all just kind of worked out like that. That's amazing. And uh, so I basically I lived there rent free, and on top of that, I was able to depreciate, uh, you know, part of that property because it was an investment property. And uh, obviously, there's depreciation recapture when you sell it. But I was able to actually parlay that into, I think I did three or four properties after that. I think um, I think I've sold, bought and sold for myself at least 19 or 20 times. I lost count, but uh, but I was not 18 years old. I was, let me see here. I was I was much older. Um, I really believed in not paying rent to a stranger, so I stayed with my. I lived with my dad. Uh, until I was 28 years old, I hated it. Uh, but yeah, but I, you had a goal in mind, so it was important that you achieve that goal. I refused to pay money to a stranger. I just did not want to. I just did not want to pay rent, and so I was on one side of the house, and we kind of kept to ourselves. But uh, now everybody knows I lived at home with my dad until I was 28. <laughs> well, if, if you had my dad, a Marine Corps drill instructor, you would want to move out at 18, also. <laughs> my gosh, so how many houses have you owned? You know, only about six or seven. Uh, my wife and I have the home that we live in currently, and we have a piece of income property as well that was a, a good deal with the downturn in the market. We thought it was great. Um, but it's it's one of those things that some people have told me, you know, oh, you should, you know, since your house is paid for, well, in fact, both of the houses are paid for, you ought to leverage that into something else and get another piece of property. You know, I'm kind of a conservative thinker that way. I look at a house as an asset. Some people don't. I think that it's a, a great thing, and I think that if you're – focused enough or you have professional advice like you have for yourself because you're in the profession of real estate, you know when there's a good deal and you know when you can grab it, make some money and, and maybe have it as an asset for your portfolio. Because I'm focused in other things, I'm a writer and a historian and, and I run a publishing company, my mind isn't wrapped around more pieces of real estate. I think it's great, particularly in this downturn market, but uh, I think everybody has their own comfort level and my wife being also a conservative thinker and retired. I don't think there's a third or fourth house in our future. Now, if we sell two houses to buy one, maybe. But uh, our big thing is, uh, you know, just staying true to the family. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things we kind of hit on was about, uh, you know, the, the guy that I bought the house from, who's a commercial real estate guy, um, but he he really refused to put the house on the market and um, and let see what the market would bear. And so he just sold to me and... I gave him a low offer, and he took it. And he took it because he knew me. He knew I could close. I had great finances, everything like that. Um, it's it, hard. I don't know if I don't know how much money he lost. I think he lost money. I feel really good about the deal. He actually feels very good about the deal too. But what uh, he decided to do is is go into something that's called dual agency, and basically, um, he represented me on the transaction. And he did all the paperwork. And uh, at the end, uh, for me, I got a really, really good deal. So that's what we're going to talk about at the next break. Okay. So, well, hey, it's time to take a short break. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more uh, right after this. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Thanks. <laughs> Now, back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Uh, welcome back to the show. Our discussion is with our guest, Michael Patras. And we're talking about things that a realtor will probably never tell you. So this is the big thing that most realtors will never tell you, and it's something that gets glossed over. 
And I'm, I'm sure this happens all the time in California. I'm sure this happens in other states. It's what's called dual agency. What is dual agency? Do you know what dual agency is? I don't. You'll have to explain it. Dual agency is when somebody from the brokerage, the broker, uh, a licensed agent, represents both buyer and seller on the same transaction. That doesn't sound good. There is what's called an inherent conflict of interest. Conflict of interest is something, if you talk to any attorney, that is one of the worst things you can have. Did you know, at least in California, an attorney can't represent both sides on a transaction? To me, that's common sense. Well, thanks for saying that. It is common sense to me, too. But in at least in California, and I know it is for almost probably every state, dual agency is actually legal as long as it's disclosed up front. So in 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 California we actually have a form for it. And it kind of gets glossed over and it's kind of unfortunate, but dual agency is that you know it's when you know you, you when you hire an agent, they have what's called a fiduciary duty of utmost care, trust and integrity in all dealings with you. I don't understand how an agent can represent both sides fairly and adhere to their fiduciary duty in a dual agency situation. I just it, it, it never made sense to me. And I know that um, every, there's a lot of people that have stories about this, but you know the reason why I'll tell you this is interesting. The reason why it's legal, it has to be disclosed is at least in our state legislature in, in, in California, there's an argument that's put to the legislators that said that, that the California Association of Realtors says, and they're going to probably hate for me to say this, but they tell them that it's not fair if a buyer sees a house and they really, really want to buy it and they don't have a realtor. And it's not fair that they should have to go down to the stationary store or get somehow get these forms and write an offer. They should be able to go to the realtor that has a sign-up and have that realtor represent them. It's only fair. One of the things they're not telling the legislators is I think in California, every 52 people, it's actually probably closer to 60 because so many people have dropped out of this business, but every 52 people, there's a, one of them is licensed in the state. There's an amazing amount of real estate agents out there, licensees. And there's a real estate agent for every 22 homes in the state of California. That's amazing. We have more attorneys and real estate agents than I I think per capita than any other state, but still, that is just an enormous amount. So I don't I don't quite understand the argument, and I don't know why it gets fluffed over in our legislators when they when they're given this argument that it's not fair for a buyer to you know to to have to represent themselves. Um, You know, for the most part, you can stand on a corner and put a sign out there that says I'm looking for a realtor, and I'll tell you. You know, with, within two minutes, you're going to be able to find a realtor. I mean, they're knocking on people's doors. They're mailing things like crazy. They're in the newspaper like crazy. Um, how can you not find a realtor? We get ads all the time, both at our home address and at the business address, probably three, four, five a day, interested in buying or selling your home. Uh, this is what's sold in the neighborhood recently. I'm the top seller. I'm the top negotiator. Go with me. Uh, we speak 18 languages. And the interesting thing is of all the stuff that comes in the mail, I mean, we – you know, or a busy household like most households are, that stuff goes in the shredder. I don't even look at it. I'm not interested. Now, interestingly enough, if somebody says they're having an open house, I'll probably go take a peek at the house just because I'm curious, but I'm, I'm not interested in obtaining a realtor that way. How funny. Our next segment, we're actually going to talk about uh, the myth that an open house is actually going to sell a house. Um, one of the things about uh, dual agency. Now, I had a listing appointment last Friday with a lady and trying to sell her big house. She wants to retire and move out of, out of the country, actually. And I was competing with another agent. And she told me the other agent came to her and said she already has a buyer for the house. She'd like to bring the buyer by, and she should just list with her because she's already got the buyer, and she should sell it. So I come into the listing appointment. I sit down, and she hits me with this. This is the first thing she says. She goes, do you have a buyer? And I explained to her, no, I don't have a buyer. I actually won't represent a buyer on my own transactions. I let people know that that's the reputation that I have in town. And I asked her, you know, the thing is, the listing agent, which is representing the seller, their job is to get you the most amount of money, okay, the least amount of headaches, 
really in the fastest amount of time. How is that agent who already has a buyer, a buyer that might be their friend, a buyer that they may have written offers for them multiple times, a buyer that they are probably tired of working for, quite frankly, because it's a lot of work running people around and writing offers. Are you? I asked her, are you telling me that this agent is actually going to be an advocate for you? Her eyes just got really big. They don't think about the consequences. And and it's really funny because now that you bring this up, there was a home that sold not too far from here recently to some friends of mine. And it's a, it's a big, older Victorian home, needed a lot of work. And the seller was an individual that lived out of the state. And the realtor who had uh, taken this property on thought that it was going to be a great property to sell as is. It had been in the family for like, I don't know, 80 years or something mm-hmm. like that. All the original stuff was in the house, and I mean everything, furniture, uh, gas floor heaters, everything. And the people out of town suggested that this realtor just take care of the transaction. And when our friends expressed an interest in it, he said, well, you know, I haven't really gotten the listing yet, but if you're interested, how much can you spend on this house? And so they came up with the price. And so interestingly enough, that's the price that he listed the house for, so it was a slam-dunk deal for him. But, you know, if I were out of state, you know, even if I didn't need the money, which I can't imagine anybody in this economy not needing money, why would you just trust somebody to handle something like that if you don't know them and and represent both sides? Because it seems to me that if there was an offer, there maybe should be a counteroffer. You know, how is this determined, particularly in this climate, that this is an accurate price for this this piece of property? So I would see where I would want my own agent to represent me and not represent the seller. Well, it's funny is that I'm looking at this NAR, National Association of Realtors booklet here. It says that, um, it says here 90% of all buyers didn't use the last agent that they used in the last transaction. Uh, 90% of them. Uh, well, I would be in that boat too, because other than my mom not being in the state of California any longer, she's not a licensed realtor in California. On the last transactions that I've had, I wouldn't use those realtors again either. There's agents that actually think I'm totally crazy when I tell them that I don't represent buyers on my own transactions and they think that I'm giving up too much. Yeah, sure, I guess I'm giving up a lot, but I'm, I'm giving up a double commission. But what's interesting, I've sold enough homes, and this is really, this is, it's almost um, self-serving the, re- the reason why I don't represent both, both sides on a transaction. I don't get referrals on my transactions in the past where I've represented both sides. And I think I did a fantastic job over the years when I have represented. I think I was very, very fair. I'll tell you what one thing. They were the hardest transactions I've ever done because you're constantly questioned. But at the end of the transaction, you know, I stay in contact with my clients. Um, I never, I really don't get referrals on the transactions where I represented both sides. And maybe I'm, I'm thinking maybe the sellers thought that I made too much money. Maybe they're thinking that they left money on the table. I don't know. But... I'm, I'm the kind of agent I really don't advertise at all. I don't do mailers. There's a lot of things I don't do that the typical agent does. And it, my whole business is all referral. And I, I get tons of referrals from my old clients. I mean, I, I would say the vast majority of my past clients use me over and over again. Um, well, we actually have a caller. Oh, right. We have a caller. Her name is Jackie, and she's from Seattle. And uh, Jackie, can you hear us? Hi. What's up, Jackie? Hey, Jackie. I can hear you. So do you have a question for us? Do you have a question for me or Michael? I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, I live in Seattle in a historic home, and I'm currently interviewing agent. And one of them says that they will do open houses every weekend. You know, I really like this agent, but I'm not sure if I want strangers walking in my house. Do you think I really need to have open houses? Well, we're actually going to talk about open houses. Um, first of all, thank you very much for your call. Stay on. But we're going to talk about open houses on the next segment. And I'm just going to destroy the, the myth that open houses are really important. You're letting a bunch of strangers into your house that don't have real estate agents. First of all, you should also figure out, make sure you have liability insurance. Um, you're having you're, the marketing strategy of that realtor seems to be if somebody is on their way to go get a hamburger that they might buy a house. Um, I don't know if that's your 
if that's your the, the kind of buyer that you want to target. And also, all those people that are going to walk in through walk through your house, chances are they're not going to be with a real estate agent. Um, I'll tell you, we're going to talk about this in the next segment. But open houses are really good for the realtor. I get we get to use the house to market ourselves, and I get to meet the neighbors, and you need to, I get to meet a whole bunch of um, random people, and I get to be face-to-face, pass my card out, gather their contact information, all in your living room. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that on the next segment. I want to um, thank you very much for your phone call. I appreciate it. I guess she already hung up. Um, so we're talking about dual agency. Um we were talking about how, you know, um, when, when you have a, you know, a real estate agent that's representing, that's supposed to be representing you, and they come to you and they say they already have a buyer. Um, now, I'm not saying all realtors are, you know, going to take advantage of that situation. There's bad apples in every, everywhere. There's bad apples at, at, at schools. There's bad apples at, uh, in doctors, you know, but, um, I, I think for some reason, and we should be held to a very, very high standard uh, as real estate agents, but when you hear of a real estate agent doing something kind of crooked or sounds kind of crooked, everybody kind of hears about it, and it's just really kind of unfortunate. Um, and the interesting thing about having built-in uh, buyers, I know, for example, my mom works similarly to you. She doesn't really take new people on and she has a group of doctors that buy homes, and if the numbers crunch, they don't need to see the house, and they will be a buyer. So there are probably realtors that do have buyers that will buy anything at some price level, but if you're looking to get the most out of your property, you probably don't want to be dealing with somebody who's eating off both ends of the same sandwich. There was a, an interesting stat in here that said that two-thirds of all home sellers in the last year only interviewed one agent. And I don't know if they necessarily interviewed the agent, a lot of times they just kind of find somebody. I don't know how that, maybe it's their friend, maybe it's somebody that did a mailer, I don't know. But it always kind of amazed me, and I've always explained this to people, you should always interview three agents. This is the, the best piece of real estate advice I could give on anything, is interview three agents. We are not created equally. Now, um, like I said, it, it, you, know, you were talking about doctors, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. How important is it for you to sell that house? I mean, this house, the house that you're going to sell is probably your biggest financial asset. Okay, it's pretty important, right? Right. Okay, it's not brain surgery, but what if it was brain surgery? Okay, if it was brain surgery, would you go out and find your friend that just graduated from med school, or would you just find somebody who you know has a mails you a postcard? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you interview at least two or three? I would, surgeons? I would be involved in every nut and bolt detail in that because it's my, my livelihood. Well, that's the disconnect that we have in our industry. Most people won't interview uh, more than one. Um, so anyways, well, we're going to take a break. It's, uh, we're going to do a short break, uh, but stay tuned. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, and we're going to be right back with Michael Patris, and we're going to be talking about open houses, and I'm going to bust that myth open. Let's get back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about what your agent will probably never tell you. And in our segment here, we're going to kind of bust open the open house myth. Okay, this is something, Mike, that you may find, Michael, that you may find really interesting. Um, What do you think the chances of selling a house because of an open house are? In today's market, well, I would say based on what I've heard from people I know, that probably not real good. I think it's mostly looky lose and people just trying to compare their house to the neighbor's house. So, I think educated buyers are, are the way the market is going now. So, people are going to do their due diligence on the internet, and they're going to pretty much have a, a group of standards in place, and they're going to get it before they even set foot in the car or out the door. So, I, I think that at some level, it's probably uh, mildly effective, but for the most part, I don't think most people get their homes that way. I don't, it's not even mildly effective. You'll be amazed about this. Well, first of all, you have a 93% chance of selling your house because of something on the internet. Your typical home buyer is 
actually, their first time they're going to see the house is actually going to probably be in their pajamas on the computer at home. And it's not going to be because a realtor drove them to the house. It's just, that's just not the way it normally works at all. So you have a 93% chance of selling your house because of something on the internet. So obviously guess what I focus on. And that's the way we found our commercial building. I, I searched and searched. I had parameters of where I wanted it located, how many square feet. And I just kept going through all the listings, and I finally found what I thought was a viable thing. I drove out and saw it, and then I contacted a realtor. Now, it's not all, it's not only about just being on the Internet. I mean, there's there's listings that are on the Internet right now, and they just have almost no information, so that doesn't really help. We're going to do a show, though, that's just going to talk about when you do go on the Internet, what people are looking for, what they what they want to see, and what triggers them to take the next step, which is usually a phone call, an email, or a drive-by and or a showing for the property. But that's for another, we, we could talk for hours about that. So anyways, according to the National Association of Realtors, you have a 3% chance of selling your house because of an open house, and this is based upon the first step buyers take when looking. Okay? Wow. So 3% of the buyers, the first time they're going to see the house is on an open house. Okay? Um, I... When I compete for a listing, oftentimes I'll sit down and I'll ask the seller, what do you like about the other realtor? And oftentimes they'll tell me that the other realtor is willing to do an open house every day until we go into escrow. They'll do it every Saturday and they'll do it every Sunday and they just love the idea. They, they love the idea that their realtors work really hard. For them, that's work. So get this. If you want to be a real estate agent and you came to my office, you came into any office, and you don't know that many people, guess what they tell you to do? Probably go hold an open house and meet a bunch of people. They tell you to go talk to the top agents in the office and see if you can host an open house. So guess what you're going to get? You're going to get you're going to get to meet all the neighbors. You get to meet looky-loos. You get to be in uh, what we call the most influential uh, state of, 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 of interacting with people, which is a face-to-face meeting. You have a better chance of doing business face-to-face with somebody than you do over the phone or over the Internet or with handwritten notes and stuff like that. So it's very, very, very it, – it's, it's the way to – if you, if you have no leads, this is what we call it in the business, leads. I don't care if you're selling copiers. I don't care if you're selling insurance. Uh, it's, you know, this is the way – this is the, what we talk – how we talk in the industry, it's leads. If you need to get leads, you do an open house and you sit there and you put your signs out there and you have flyers with your picture on it and you have people come into the house. You know, I, 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 I showed the stats to this. Uh, I always show all the stats. I bring stats with me on my listening appointments and I tell them, well, if you'd like me to focus on that, I will. We'll do it. But this is one of the things you need to consider. Do you have insurance on the house? As far as I know, no, no brokerage in town will provide liability insurance in case a stranger who you have no idea, and they're probably not a real estate licensee, if they trip and fall and hurt themselves. Okay. Wow. Our standard contracts actually stay, say that. They don't say trip and fall and hurt themselves, but it says that we do not provide liability insurance. There's also, um, you know, this is what I, I, I like to tell people. I just think it's a failed strategy to think that somebody is on their way to McDonald's and on the way they see your sign and they're going to maybe, maybe buy your house. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't, absolutely. that doesn't make too much sense to me, but open houses are fantastic to meet people. And you know what? I get to use your house for my benefit to get leads. And there's a lot of agents that just, they love doing open houses. Some people just love doing open houses. I, um, and they don't mind sitting there, you know, standing up. And it, it's a lot of work. But, you know, I also say it's really the lazy way of selling a house because guess what? You walk to me. I'm in somebody else's living room and you, Michael, are walking to me and talking to me. I mean, does it get any easier? I don't think so. It's kind of like shooting trout in a pond. Well, this is one of the funny things. Um, uh, I, and I'm guilty of this, too. I go to... I go to open houses. I don't really, I don't tell them I'm a real estate agent usually. I just want to see the house, you know. I, and, 
and I know the way people are, but, and then the agent oftentimes will ask me if I'm interested in buying or selling. And I'll tell them, you know, I'm not really sure. I just want to look at the house. Well, I guess I kind of lied, you know, mm-hmm. really, I'm just, you know, but it's, it's funny. I've sold so many houses. I've done so many open houses that I really don't do very many anymore. And I've talked to so many people and it's just this psychological thing where people just can't help but, I hate to say it, but they lie when they walk into the house. Sure. So what's interesting in this business is that oftentimes the agent will tell the seller, hey, I'm going to do an open house. And then after the open house, I'm going to give you a report. And then after the open house is done, they tell the owner, hey, we got 100 people through here. And they all love the house. And they were all interested in maybe buying or selling it sometime. And then no offers come in. Well, there's the explanation there. Well, and and that makes common sense because I know that if my wife and I are out going somewhere on the weekend and we happen to take a scenic route and and we have a lot of great old homes in our area, if there's an open house sign and there's an old house that I haven't seen before or really paid attention to, I'll say, hey, you know what, let's stop. Let's look around and, and check out the house. We have no intention of selling our house. We've been in it 20 years. Chances are pretty good that's going to be the last house we have. But at the same time, I'm not going to miss an opportunity if I can go in with a free pass and take a look around. Sure. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. I, I like, I like looking at houses. If there's a neat looking house in my, na- especially something in my neighborhood, I'm going to go look at it for, for sure. Of course. I think it's human nature to just want to look. One of the, one of the other things that, uh, I, I found pretty interesting. Um, well, this is kind of sad actually. Th- th- this is the tough thing that a real estate agent has to, to deal with. Okay. Say, I want to give you a scenario of an open house. I'm sitting at your house. I'm sitting in your living room, okay? You've got all your stuff in your house, and you took off with your wife, and you guys are out going to a movie or something like that. So I'm responsible for your house, okay? And I tell you not to worry about it and everything like that. And a nice couple comes in, maybe a husband and wife, and I sit there and I start chit-chatting. Maybe they have a 15-year-old son, 20-year-old son, daughter, doesn't matter, 9-year-old daughter, doesn't matter. And I'm sitting there talking to him, and all of a sudden I hear a click. Guess what? They're in your bathroom. They don't usually ask if they can use the bathroom. They're in your bathroom. What do I do? Sure. It's a difficult situation because obviously you don't want somebody in there unmonitored. There may be personal medication. Uh, who knows what's in there? And uh that doesn't mean that they won't be going through the drawers in the other room while you're talking to the mom and dad, too. So, yeah, particularly in our home with antiques and collectibles and stuff, I would not feel comfortable having an open house at all. If somebody wanted to buy your house and there wasn't an open house, they would still buy your house. Contingent to their probably. approval of how it is. They would still go out. They would they would make an appointment. If it was that important to them, they would probably sure. make an appointment. They're not going to wait around and say, sure. oh, I didn't buy that house because there was no open house. I've never heard that before. Right. But that's a tough thing, though, going back into the story about, you know, you're sitting there and, I mean, what do you do? You know, the number one thing that gets stolen out of a house, you just hit it. Medication. Oh, really? I tell people to put all their medication away, put their jewelry away, anything that could walk away, put it away. Wow. So you can imagine how when, when I explain all of this to them, they realize... Well, I would rather you focus on the 93% chance of selling my house and do what you're supposed to be doing, which is work the Internet and also work your sphere of influence and all the other things that we're supposed to be doing, except it, 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 instead of you leveraging your house to further my career. So It makes perfect sense. And now that I think back on it, uh, the six or seven homes that we've had, I've never bought a home on an open house or even gone for an initial look at an open house. Well. I have an, a really interesting stat here for you. You know, we were talking about the average home seller and buyer is around 42. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the National Association of Realtors stats here, it's almost you have almost a 1% chance of selling your house to a buyer that's under 35 years old. Wow. The, so the, the average age is going to start going down. It, just, it, it went up, and now it's going to start going down. Um, but you're going to see... 
open houses being less and less effective for people to sell their houses. So, Well, and you think about the age range. When you start talking about people in their 30s, they were brought up with computers. They're going to be cruising around on the Internet to see what's available before they even get out of their house. For the most part, I think people are pretty lazy. Uh, they like poking around on the Internet. I don't care if it's eBay or open houses or whatever. They want to see what's around. And if they're looking for a house or a condo or something in particular, yeah, they'll go look on the Internet and they'll type in their neighborhood or the neighborhood they're interested in. And if it makes sense, yeah, maybe they'll go and look at it. But I think now that you brought up the fact that the the median age range is 35, I would see all of those people looking on the Internet before going around and cruising for a sign and a flag to see if the house was open and could they get in. Well, the median age is probably going to start going back down towards 35. That's where it's it, it's kind of going towards. Well, it's going, let's, let's put it this way, they're getting younger. And the other thing that you have to worry about is you just never know um, if somebody's scoping out your house. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, we had a, our company had a, uh, my old company that I was with, they had a, an issue with that where somebody was scoping out the house and, and they decided to stay in a closet and they waited until the realtor left and then they opened up the back door and they just started unloading the TVs. Wow. So amazing. Um, well, gosh, that was a lot of fun. We are going to take another break. So you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Michael Patras and, uh, on our next segment, we're actually going to start talking about print advertising. And uh, I think you'll be pretty shocked to hear some of these stats. And uh, I think I'm going to destroy that. I'm going to try to destroy that myth. Hopefully, I don't get upset too many realtors at the same time. And now more of the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Uh, welcome back to the show. I'm Mike Bell, and uh, we're here with our, our guest, Michael Patris. By the way, if you ever have any questions after the show, you can always reach me on my personal cell phone. Here it is. It's a toll-free number, 888 401 one five five five. Again, toll free eight 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 four zero one one five five five. You can also email me at mikebell at kw dot com, and uh, you can take a look at our website, themikebellteam.com. You know, and this is the other thing um, we were talking about at the break. I don't care where you are in the nation. If you'd like to find a Mike Bell in your neighborhood, give me a call. I know how to find somebody like me in your neighborhood. There's a lot of us out there. But there's not that many. But it, 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 there's a special way I can help you find the right realtor, and I'll be able to give you one or two names of agents that share the same principles that I have. So if you are thinking about ever selling your house, I don't care where you are, give me a call, send me an email. It's a free service, but I'll provide one or two agents for you. They're going to be very close to your house. They're going to have the same principles that I have. I'll be able to give you testimonials a track record, and I promise you they will not be pushy and they're going to do the most effective thing. So uh, take me up on that. Now, I wanted to kind of go back to what we were talking about really quick before we get into print ads, but one of the things that was interesting that, Michael, you had mentioned is um, new construction. And I think if, if anybody's bought a new house, they've probably bought their house through an open house, and there's a number of reasons for that. Um, that is actually the – that's the way – Many developers sell their houses is through open houses, and basically they have an open house every day. That's like a 24-hour open house. I mean, they're always open. Well, and they almost have to because I know like with my mom in Vegas, they're building a 1,000 homes in a place that was a dirt lot for the past 100 years. So there wasn't a community there. You're not familiar with that community. They're putting in those homes, and now all the infrastructure is being added. So the only way you are going to be able to go buy a piece of new property is if you go to one of those model homes and go check them out and see what they're doing. If they call that an open house, then, yeah, I guess that's what it is. But I guess it's technically different. Well, you've probably noticed when you've gone there, there's there, there's a sales team. And guess what? The only thing they sell is that development. They, right. they do not go out and sell all the real estate. They're there. So they're essentially employees of the developer. That way they can kind of encompass and put everything together um, under what? Under one roof, and I don't blame them. I mean, that's that's just the way it's in. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood. 
is mostly for resale homes, used homes, 3% chance. Okay, so I wanted to talk about uh, something else that doesn't work, and this is something that a realtor will may, may say to you. Now, I've, when I've competed with a listing, the seller will say, well, what I really liked about the other agent is that they're going to run my ad in the L.A. Times or the Wall Street Journal or you know they're going to do um, a beautiful spread in the local magazine. Well, guess what the National Association of Realtors says about print ads. Well, if they're anything like me, I don't even subscribe to a newspaper any longer, and I came from that business, so it, it's pretty sad. I, I don't look at those things. I think they're rather useless, so surprise me. You have a 1% chance of selling your house because of print advertising. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Print advertising, unfortunately, is dead. But let me ask you, why, why do you think there's still – in the L.A. Times, there's a 40-page spread every Sunday morning with – probably over a thousand photos of houses. Why why is it still out there? Because consumers are paying to put the stuff in there. It's, that's what the newspaper is about any longer. It's about selling ads. It's not about necessarily telling the story of local news. I don't know how many times I'll see a story and I want to find out the details and I go to the LA Times and, well, the whole story isn't there. I have to either look it up on the Internet. But they have more ads than they have stories. Oh. And I also get it when if you're if you're hiring a realtor, say you're hiring somebody and you're selling a five hundred thousand dollar house, the commission, the commission could be twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Sellers want to see their house in the newspaper. They just, uh, um, so there there's that. But have you ever noticed? Oh, well, this is something you may not know. It takes me for the L.A. Times. It takes me six days to get my property into the LA Times. I have to have my ad copy, uh, the photo. I have to have it approved by my broker. And then they send it to the LA Times. And then, you know, like I said, so I usually have to get my ad going two weekends prior. Essentially, I have to get it on Friday so I can get it for the following weekend. Or I can get it in on Monday for that following weekend. But usually the cutoff is like 2 or 3 o'clock. So, and chances are pretty good in the intervening time you'll already have written an offer on the property and the ad will be superfluous. Something may have happened in the meantime, sure, absolutely. Um, so there's that. But have you ever noticed in the ads, I mean, usually the, the picture of the realtor or the name of the brokerage is usually a lot bigger than the price, the description, the photo of the house, or the address? Sure. The other thing I notice is that if you ever happen to see the realtor in person, it was like a picture that was taken 30 years ago. Oh, okay. That's we're, we're going to have five five shows just on photos from, from the 80s. <laughs> Disco is not dead. Oh, no, it's it's something else. Um, but in terms of uh, print ads, um, y- you know. One of the things that, not to give a commercial about Keller Williams, but one of the reasons why I came to Keller Williams is I really feel like they told me the truth about what sells real estate. And on a national level, Keller Williams has never run a a radio ad, and they've never run uh, a television ad, and they've never run uh, a newspaper ad. Never. Wow. Um, Because the National Association of Realtors says that you have a four – of the most important thing – uh, that home sellers have or, or buyers have is uh, in making a decision. Four uh, percent of them, it's the brand. Wow. Although everybody out there is pushing the brand. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I'm getting recruited by a new broker, Jets in Town. Wonderful people. I asked them, you know, get, if you can give me the tools that will allow me to help more of my clients make more money the least amount of time, I'm interested because I want to service my clients. Sure. This is what they came up with. They told me that for every postcard that I mailed out, they would pay for the second postcard. So essentially, they'll just pay for half the half my postcards. I said, you know, if I ever came to your brokerage, you know, 
I wouldn't come for that just because print ads are and and and, and postcards for me are they just they're just silly. They just they're not effective. But if I did it, I don't want the, your your company name on it. I want to brand myself. I want to push myself. And the guy told me I didn't get it. <laughs> That's amazing. So I'm I'm still a Keller Williams, but that's what I love about Keller Williams is that they they actually they they give you they break it all down for you and you can you know you have a better chance of servicing your client that way when you really know the stats and what and if you really know what what's uh, what's effective. Well, it's like any profession; you have to have all the background before you do the work. But um, so my point here on print ads is just kind of be wary of the realtor that shows up and says they're going to do print ads or mailers because it's just not, it's very, very ineffective and it's getting actually more and more ineffective out there. So, well, and I think one of the things that you talked about too is, you know, would you want to see your, your home or your building in the paper? You know, all I'd want to see is a sold or an in escrow sign in front. I don't care how the realtor would get that thing sold. It doesn't make any difference if I see my house in a magazine, you know, frankly, that that's a zero to me. But, uh, you know, getting it sold, obviously, is the objective. So if I turned it over to a professional such as yourself, I would just expect the result, and I wouldn't care how you got there. Well, I think it's a failed sales strategy to think that somebody's waiting for the newspaper boy to show up on a Sunday morning to go shopping for real estate. It, it just doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, um, we're going to start wrapping it up, but um, I hope I didn't blow it up too much. <laughs> well, you'll find out when the phone starts lighting up. You know, next week we're going to have a very special guest. Um, her name is Loxie Windell. She's a very well-known rock and roll DJ, and uh, she was on a very popular radio station, rock radio station here in Southern California. We've been really good friends. She's a lot of fun, and we're going to have a, a discussion about what to look for in an agent. So we're going to be talking to her about what you need to look for in an agent. Um, and I think it, most of my audience already knows, but there's actually quite a bit more. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, hey, that's it for this week's show. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It's this been was a pleasure. lot of fun. Um, I'm going to be back next week at the same time. So don't forget to visit my website, themikebellteam.com. Remember, my toll-free number, if you call my cell phone, is 888-401-1555. And thank you very much for listening. Take care. Thank you.